Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We need, and we haven't done this yet, to centralize our public health system. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. We have done exactly what needed to be done, which is provide and give an effective vaccine. The key for gun safety reform advocates is to think about this in the long term. These times when change happen, often brief, so you want to get as much accomplished as possible. This is KCBS In-Depth. It's a whole new phase of the vaccine rollout, with the federal government now poised to approve COVID-19 shots for younger children aged between 5 and 11 in the coming weeks. But even as the White House prepares to get those shots out, vaccine skepticism and resistance to vaccine mandates remains fierce. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi, and we're here and there, the voices of demonstrators who took to the state's capital this past Monday to signal their strong opposition to Governor Newsom's recently announced COVID-19 vaccine mandate for schools. We are here because the government has crossed the line I never imagined they would cross. We are here on behalf of our children. So on the program today, we're going to get some reaction to that opposition from a state lawmaker who's been among the staunchest supporters of strong vaccine requirements in the classroom. Vaccination is about not just protecting the individual who gets vaccinated, but the people around them as well. First up, though, we're going to dig into what the science has to say about the Pfizer vaccine's safety and efficacy when it comes to younger children. Because as this past week's demonstration makes clear, parents have a lot of questions. So bringing us some answers, we're going to welcome onto the program now Dr. Jenna Holman. She's a pediatric infectious disease specialist with UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. Dr. Jenna Holman, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Uh, So just to get us all situated right off the bat, uh, a couple of quick points about the timeline that we can expect going forward. Uh, Actually, a step back real quick. Uh, Last month, Pfizer submitted data to the FDA from its own vaccine trials with children aged 5 to 11. 
Now, advisory panels for the FDA and CDC are set to meet in the coming weeks to make recommendations that would perhaps clear the way for an emergency use authorization. And then that would clear the way for, you know, that distribution that we've been hearing about uh, all this past week. So uh, to start off, Dr. Jenna Holman, if the Pfizer shots do get approval, what kind of vaccine regimen should we expect for this age group? Uh, my understanding is that we are talking about two doses still, uh, but that they might be smaller. That's correct. So um, over to the average person, the regimen will look very similar to that that we have for adults. There will be two doses about three weeks apart um, is the recommended spacing interval. Um, and the main difference, which, um, is the dose. Uh, so for adults, the dose for Pfizer is 30 micrograms. Um, and the pediatric dose that has been studied and is, um, undergoing evaluation is one third of that. So it'll be 10 micrograms. Um, and they're specifically making a different formulation for pediatrics. Um, so it will come in its own separate kind of vials from the adult dose. Hmm. And what is the science that undergirds that decision? Just uh, children in, in general need uh, less medicine? <laughs> um, well, in pediatrics, we love to say that children are not little adults. Um, their hmm. bodies are different and react differently to different medicines. Um, so part of the clinical trial, they actually looked at different dosing regimens for children, um, knowing that to try to find the best dose that was both immunogenic, so activating the immune system, um, as well as safe and well tolerated. Um, so they looked at this dose as well as a couple higher doses. Um, and they found um, in the initial part of the study, because they proceeded with this dose, um, it therefore must have shown that it um, met those standards. Hmm. All right. And, and tell us a little bit about the studies that went into this, because uh, a lot of parents you hear as uh, you know, we heard we, uh, some of our reporters went out to the protest uh, in Sacramento that took place this past week. A lot of parents expressing their concerns about the vaccine, giving that vaccine to children. And what a lot of them had to say is that uh, they are not necessarily opposed to vaccines in general, but they feel like the COVID-19 vaccines in particular uh, have not been around as long as other vaccines. So they're suspicious that it's really been vetted to the same degree that other vaccines have been. Wondering if you could shed any light on what the vetting process has been, what these studies have looked like, and uh, why you feel comfortable recommending the vaccine to young children uh, given this vetting. Yeah, so the clinical trial process for evaluating any vaccine vaccine, including COVID vaccines, is quite rigorous. Um, there are several stages um, that look for both safety um, initially and then um, efficacy, so how well it works. So the, the Pfizer studies for these um, had large numbers of participants in the thousands, and they have been following the patients very, very closely, both clinically and with blood tests to make sure that the vaccines are safe, well tolerated and having minimal side effects. Um, they've also been looking at the immune system's response to the vaccines um, throughout these studies to make sure that they're working appropriately. Um, as well as the clinical outcome. Yeah, and uh, just to drill down on this a little bit more, uh, we could add that uh, Pfizer has actually 
released its data to the public on just the past couple of days. Um, We mentioned earlier that late last month it released this trial data to the FDA, but now it's been made available to the public. And uh, I guess the the key finding that is being reported on is that in these trials, uh, four or five to 11 year olds, there was a a 91 percent effectiveness uh, rate at preventing symptomatic infections. So uh, quite comparable with the other vaccines. These uh, trials also turned up a very low rate of side effects. So I suppose uh, overall pretty encouraging findings. That's correct. Um, In their study, they didn't see any severe adverse events at all. Importantly, there were no cases of myocarditis or pericarditis. Um, Though also importantly, the the number really was too small to detect that, um, given that it is such a rare event. Vaccine was very well tolerated. It uh, had good immunogenicity in children. There were three children who received the vaccine who developed uh, cases of COVID, not severe cases, um, and 16 in the placebo arm, which gave the vaccine an overall efficacy of 90.7%, which is not only great on a normal day, but very great to consider the study was done in the time of Delta, which is highly transmissible and contagious. Yeah, and you uh, just mentioned uh, myocarditis a moment ago. Uh, just to explain, that's a condition in which the heart muscle becomes inflamed uh, does seem to be a a very rare side effect of the vaccine. Uh, Rare, but, you know, concerning. And uh, so there were a lot of questions raised about it. Uh, But, you know, at at least in this trial, you're saying that we didn't see any incidents of it. So uh, that is encouraging. Obviously, more study needed. Uh, Curious for your take as well on that headline number. Uh, We mentioned, you know, more than 90 percent effectiveness rate uh, for this vaccine in this age group. Uh, what do you make of that? Encouraging as well? Um, 90.7% efficacy is an incredible number. Um, that's uh, higher than many of the other vaccines that we use on a routine basis. It's a very good vaccine. It's very efficacious um, and thankfully very well tolerated and safe. Now, I want to ask about the trial size, because I'm sure a lot of people are going to be wondering about that. Uh, you mentioned that there were 2,000 participants in this trial. That is quite a bit smaller than those phase three trials that we heard about last year for the Pfizer and the Moderna shots uh, for the uh, adult population. You know, there we were talking about tens of thousands of participants. Here we're only talking about 2,000. Why the smaller uh, trial size? Um, That's a great question. I mean, 2,000 is still a robust population size. And uh, with the time frame involved in the urgency and the need for this vaccine, um, they needed to move fast. There's actually um, a much larger cohort of children that will be getting the vaccine and followed um, through the Pfizer study for the long term. Um, But there were 2000 in this initial cohort for the um, EUA emergency use authorization that's being evaluated by Pfizer, but they will be looking at a much larger cohort over the long term. All right. uh, Just going to reintroduce you real quick. This is KCBS In-Depth speaking right now to Dr. Jenna Holman. She once again is a pediatric infectious disease specialist with UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. Want to talk next about what it is that we are trying to protect children from here, because there is this widespread perception at this moment that COVID-19 really doesn't pose much of a risk to uh, children at all. Uh, And 
That's actually something that we heard quite a bit from the protesters that attended Monday's rally uh, in Sacramento protesting the governor's vaccine mandate in schools. And so I want to actually bring in one of their voices right now. I'm going to hear right now from high school sophomore Naomi. Uh, She told one of our reporters about her decision not to get the vaccine. Here's what she said. Because I know that as kids, we have strong immunity. So already naturally, our body is built to be able to get over it on our own. Like, I can assume... Like from my perspective, that a lot of people have already had it, but we get over it because we're, our bodies are so strong. So, Dr. Holman, uh, as a pediatrician, I'm sure that this is a perspective that you run into quite a bit. And, you know, it's understandable. Uh, we have been told throughout the pandemic that this is a disease that is more dangerous to older people than it is to younger people. But it, it seems like that message has gotten turned into uh, this belief that younger people are at no risk whatsoever. So uh, what is your response to that belief that COVID-19 uh, really young people have nothing to worry about? Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, first of all, in terms of case count, uh, the most recent data has shown that since the Delta variant has appeared, um, children do seem to be infected as often as adults. Um, It is true that uh, the death rate in children remains much lower than that of adults, um, but children are not immune. They, we see in the hospital every day, children who are very sick from COVID, Um, often requiring aggressive support and intensive care. And in addition to the actual infection itself, there's a lot of hidden um, comorbidities, I guess, with COVID in pediatrics. Um, We've been seeing record record mental illness in our pediatric population, um, largely attributed to the social isolation, the missed school. And so vaccines provide an opportunity for children to get back to a normal life more safely um, without all the disruptions and problems um, and other effects, ill effects we see from COVID. Yeah. So, I I mean, given that this is a disease that we've been hearing uh, many times throughout the pandemic that has wide ranging effects on the bodies, uh, even if we're not necessarily talking about um, a high morbidity rate, the other the other, you know, problems that this could cause for a young person are quite serious is what you're saying. Yes, they can be quite significant and um, long lasting. Uh, so as much as we can do to prevent anything like that, I think we should push and make an effort to try. Yeah. Let's talk about the the big picture now, because, of course, uh, the other big goal that we've all been pushing towards uh, for the last year and a half is this uh, this fabled concept, herd immunity, that uh, seems uh, so very elusive, uh, despite our best efforts. What role does vaccinating younger children play in filling out that uh, that vaccine armor and preventing the virus from spreading? Obviously, we are worried about the spread of COVID-19 within schools. How far would getting that younger cohort vaccinated go towards uh, shoring up our defenses even further? It's huge. Uh, So the concept of herd immunity refers to the percentage of the entire population that's vaccinated. And when there's a large percentage, i.e. children, who are ineligible, um, it's nearly impossible to achieve herd immunity. So by being able to vaccinate children, we'll have a much better chance of achieving the goal numbers we need for herd immunity, which will allow us to resume normal lives much better and help keep kids in school. 
um, help them grow and develop and have healthy childhoods. What have we learned about the degree to which children spread this virus. I remember early on it was speculated that perhaps children were not spreading COVID-19, the virus behind it, uh, very much at all. What have we learned since then? Yeah, there's been a lot of variability in um, what people think the spread is from children, but we learned that they very successfully can spread this virus. Um, So, you know, protecting them and having them protect others is key. Um, especially within, you know, the close-knit families, you can think about how much time a parent spends in close proximity to their child. It, it very much can place them at high risk. All right. Some evolving science right there and some important reminders as well as we head into the winter months. Uh, we have been speaking to Dr. Jenna Holman. She once again is a pediatric infectious disease specialist with UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. Dr. Jenna Holman, thanks so much for being on KCBS In-Depth. Thank you so much. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Menconi. Today, we're talking about the soon-to-be-launched COVID-19 vaccine rollout for younger children. 
Of course, though, not every parent is eager to get their child the vaccine, and as we've been discussing on the program so far, hundreds took to the state capitol earlier this past week to protest the governor's recently announced mandate that will eventually require California students to get the shot or study from home. It's a decision that has angered many parents and students who see the mandate as an affront to their personal liberties. Here's what they told our reporter during Monday's protest. Regardless of whether or not someone chooses to vaccinate themselves or their kids, that that should be a choice that's reserved for parents alone. If you want the vaccine, that's your body and your right to choose whether you want to put it in your body. You can't force it on ourselves and our body. I'm not against the vaccine. I just, as a parent, I want to feel comfortable and do it when I'm ready. And I think parents should have the freedom to choose. Well, we're going to take that opposition now to someone who's been one of the strongest proponents for vaccine requirements out of Sacramento. That would be State Senator Richard Pan, who authored a series of California laws that have set stricter limits on vaccine exemptions for school children. He joins us now. Uh, welcome to the program, Senator Pan. Thank you for having me. I uh, suppose we could also mention, uh, Senator, that you are a pediatrician as well, uh, I believe still practicing. Um, so to start off, uh, we'd like to hear your perspective on the governor's mandate for school children, uh, which we should highlight um, will not go into effect until the federal government has fully approved the vaccine for the uh, age groups in question. Uh, so uh, perhaps not until next July uh, or later is what we're looking at. Uh, but, Senator, uh, your overall take, uh, why is this a step that that is needed at this moment? Well, we need to assure that our schools are safe from COVID. And in fact, we know that there are many parents who are worried about sending their kids to in-person learning because they may have loved ones at home who are vulnerable to the disease, who may be immunocompromised. And they depend on everyone getting vaccinated around them. And that includes children too. And they don't want their children uh, being exposed and catching COVID at school, both because they don't want their children to get sick, nor do they want it to, their children to bring it home. So we have to remember that vaccination is about not just protecting the individual who gets vaccinated, but the people around them as well. And so we need to assure that the schools are safe for the kids and that the kids can stay in school and continue to learn. Because anytime there's an outbreak in the school, you know, kids get sent home, schools, classrooms and schools might get shut down. That's not what we want to have happen. And how do you feel like the school year has been going so far, at least here in the Bay Area? We have had some scares, some districts that have had to close down classes because of a spread of the virus. But it seems like in terms of student to student transmission, transmission within the classroom, we haven't seen any huge examples of that quite yet. Uh, how, how do you think the uh, school year is going so far and uh, how might further vaccination help? Well, certainly California has been in the lead. Uh, actually, we have a s smaller percentage of students who uh, had to be sent home because of COVID compared to other states. At the same time, you know, we've taken many steps to try to limit the spread of COVID. Uh, we require mask wearing at schools. Uh, we also have taken other measures as well. One of the things I want people to keep in mind, though, is that controlling COVID in the school without kids being vaccinated takes a lot of time and effort. So, the school staff is spending a lot of time on this. There's a lot of work involved. I've talked to uh, school boards and school health officials. They're spending a lot of time keep it, keeping COVID under control. And if we can get a large percentage or essentially all the children vaccinated at the school, minus the ones who need medical exemptions, we could actually not have to spend as many resources on trying to control COVID in the school. And Instead, we can direct those resources to actually teaching our kids. 
So right now, yes, our schools are staying open and they're doing a good job. We've been able to do better than most of the rest of the country, but that's taking a lot of time and effort and money from our school districts. Speaking once again to State Senator Richard Pan. So bringing in some of that opposition now that we heard a little bit earlier, you know, parents, it seems the big refrain that we heard again and again when our reporters went out and spoke to them uh, earlier this week is that essentially they view the vaccine question as something that should be left to parents and their children. It's not something that, uh, especially when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine, that the government should have a role in. What do you say to that just widespread sense that this really is something that would be better left up to parents themselves? Well, certainly it's government's role to ensure public spaces, including public schools, schools are safe. Um, I would point out that we have many laws to keep public spaces safe. For example, we have drunk driving laws. You want to drink? You can't drive on a road, right, and endanger other people. So we leave the decision whether to vaccinate the child or not right now up to the parents. Parents get to decide. I want to vaccinate my child. I don't want to vaccinate my child. But there's a consequence to that. And I just want to remind them that the consequence is not a punishment to the decision not to vaccinate. The consequence is about keeping the school safe because there are other kids at the school who may be more vulnerable to the disease. And as I mentioned at the beginning, also you have families where there may be loved ones living in their household who they're afraid of being exposed to COVID. They don't want their child coming back and potentially bringing that disease home. So we need to keep the school safe for every child, every child. And that's what vaccinations will help do. And that's why the vaccine mandate is so important is to be sure that the schools are safe so that every parent can make that decision about sending their kid to school into a safe environment. You know, I've heard a lot of debates on the vaccine topic over the past couple of months, and the way that it's usually framed is as, on the one hand, uh, personal liberties and and the decision of individuals to decide what goes into their own bodies, and then on the other hand, the rights of others to not be infected, the the broader public health uh, imperative that uh, we all face to make sure that we're doing what we can to keep others safe from the spread of the virus. Do you think that that's the right way to frame this debate? And if so, I, I suppose I would take it that you view it as the public health concerns overriding the individual liberties in this case? Well, let's be clear here. People have individual liberties, but you don't have the liberty to impose danger on other people. You can't take away other people's liberties and the exercise of your own, right? So we, I mean, most people agree with that sentiment. Your right to swing your fist stops at someone else's nose. You're not allowed to swing your fist right into someone else's face. And this is what we're talking about. So you can decide whether you want to get vaccinated or not, or your child, you're going to get your child vaccinated or not. But there's a consequence when that decision then can endanger other people. So you want to take your child and educate them at home where they're not going to affect someone else? Go to it. But you want to send your child in person into a school with other children, those other parents and those other children also have rights too. They have a right to be safe at school. So let's not say that some people have the right to impose their decisions on other people. 
everyone should have equal rights. Yeah. I want to put another concern to you, uh, again, speaking with State Senator Richard Pan, uh, that uh, I've seen forward uh, elsewhere, essentially the idea that, you know, the ultimate consequence uh, if a family decides not to vaccinate their children is that child will have to study from home. And as we've seen, study from home, oftentimes it just is not the same quality of education that you would get in the classroom. So, there is a way of looking at this where some children may be punished for their parents' decision not to uh, allow them to get the vaccine, and uh, they will get a worse quality of education. Uh, how concerned should we be about those children who will be in that position? Well, I think we also need to be concerned about the children right now who aren't going to school because their parents are afraid that their children get infected and they may either get injured themselves or injure someone else in their household, Right. So let's be sure we don't forget those families as well. Those families have rights. Those families also need to be heard. Those families are concerned about a disease spreading to their child into their own household. And so right now they're distance learning because they're concerned and they want a safe school too. So uh, a requirement to vaccinate then allows them to know the school is safe allows them to send their child to in-person learning. So let's be sure we don't forget the kids and the families who have those concerns as well. Now, of course, uh, Senator Pan, uh, just to uh, remind any of our listeners that may need reminding, you have been the object of uh, quite a bit of abuse on the vaccine issue. You faced verbal abuse, physical attacks, uh, online death threats. Of course, there was that infamous incident in which uh, you and your colleagues uh, were uh, faced blood that was spattered um, on you, thrown at you. So you are a veteran of the uh, vaccine battles, and uh, you have, uh, I guess, uh, seen it all, really. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts on what we saw this past week and what we should expect to see going forward. How does this moment stack up in terms of the level of anger that is out there and the the opportunity, perhaps, to have a productive dialogue about the vaccines and these mandates? So first of all, we need to recognize that many of the people who object to vaccines uh, are objecting to them based on disinformation, false information about the vaccine, its dangers, because the vaccines are safe and effective, and also misconceptions that this disease isn't very serious. And you hear that repeatedly. If you ask them, why don't you want to get your child vaccinated? They will oftentimes be sharing things that are actually inaccurate and untrue. And it's a shame that so many people are being exposed to misinformation. And at the same time, I understand they're concerned about their own child's safety, right? But if you're making that decision based on misinformation, and then what happens is that, and again, this is not the majority of those parents, uh, unfortunately, there is a minority, who, because they don't have science and facts on their side, they resort to threats and violence to try to get their way. And that should be considered unacceptable by all of us, right? Let's have a dialogue about what one should do given the actual truth and facts COVID-19 is dangerous to children. Over 500 children have died of COVID, and many others have long-term symptoms, including, you know, long COVID, inflammation, other types of problems. So we definitely don't want children being affected. It is a serious disease. So if they say, oh, well, it's no big deal if kids get infected, then you know there's already a problem there. So let's think about what the facts are, and certainly happy to have a dialogue about the facts and being sure that we're making the right decision. But in the end, 
parents still get to make the final decision about whether to vaccinate their child or not. And we want children to have safe schools. All right. Well, we have been speaking so far to uh, State Senator Richard Pan, as we've been hearing uh, a longtime veteran of California's many vaccine battles. Uh, State Senator Richard Pan, thank you so much for your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. This has been KCBS In-Depth. Thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.